Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Wow. You know what? I keep thinking we're done with Gideon, and I'll tell you a secret of why. We ended last week, for those of you, uh, you know, this is the recap on the show. Some of you were like trying to find the skip the recap button. Uh, but, uh, but the recap is this. We've got that Israel was completely dominated for seven years by the very enemies that they invited into their lives. Right? Anybody here, you're like, why is this happening to me? And God's like, ah, you know, I, I had that situation in my own life. I, was, I complained to the Lord that my whole life exploded, and why did he do this to me? <laughs> took me eight years to come to the point where I could hear him saying, I was never invited to that party. I, that was not me. The reason you had that explosion is because you tried to do it on your own, and you tried to make me say what you want to say. When we try to hear God and we already know what we want to hear, we're going to hear what we want to hear and not what God says. Say lot. Moving on. So here they are, seven years, completely dominated control, and only after seven years did they finally cry out to God. Who are my people? You've got, like, I have perseverance, but in the wrong direction, right? Like, I have the ability to stay going in the wrong direction a long time, right? It's a, it's a skill set. By the way, that's not a fruit of the spirit. Well, it's a fruit of another spirit, but that's another issue. Anyway, and so finally they cry out, and God says, well... <laughs> By the way, repentance means to change at its core, means to change your mind to see how God sees a thing. Our turning in repentance begins when our mind turns to see what he sees. And he says, you have this narrative that you are a victim of circumstances. And he's like, can we change the story a moment? And he changes their minds, and then he goes and he finds someone who will deliver them by the name of Gideon. Gideon didn't believe, right? Right? If you hear the dream God has over your life, and you're like, it's too good to be true, it's probably God. But anybody know, if it's too good to be true, there might be some gaps between where I am and where he's taking me. And if you look at the way God moves throughout all of Scripture and even Jesus' parables, God always moves things forward through process. Supernatural process, but process nonetheless. Who are my people? One-step programs. That's what you're looking for. Who here? You fall for it every time. You see a reel that says, I did this and instantly all the fat fell off my body. (laughs) Nobody? I did this and I instantly became wealthy. Uh, yeah, anyway, instant weight loss or instant wealth always dissipates in the morning. Anyway, moving on, or returns, depending. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but in this whole thing, is he sends out Gideon, and he takes him on this process where before dealing with everything out there, he first deals with his own life, right? He first steps out. He confirms the presence of God, begins to move. And he first goes and he gets 10 guys to agree with him to tear down the altar. Then he comes out and suddenly he finds himself in a scary place. 32,000 people ready to stand up to the 135,000 invaders. And God says, it's too many. Anybody here, you're looking at what you've got and it's not enough. And he says, too much. 
Do you think your thought, if your thought is different than his thought, who do you think is right? It's not a trick question. But he confronts our thinking to give us a new thought. That's repentance. You'll think it's your strength. Gideon, you might think that you are all that. Who are my people? It only takes one victory for you to go, yeah, that is right. (laughs) And that's what happens to Gideon. Gideon, they drop from 32. He has this amazing obedience. It drops down to 10,000. God says it's too much. They drop down to 300 warriors, 450 to one odds. They went from four to one odds to 450 to one odds. God's like, now that's what I'm talking about. Could it be that God looks at our lives fundamentally different than we do? When I see steps to a progress... I'm thinking progress this way. He's thinking progress this way. Oh, you guys missed that. I think progress is this way. I think process is this way. He does process this way. Could it be the reason many of our processes are taking so long? Is because we're still trying to do this rather than do this. Why do you think Masha calls us to come and go low at the altar? Because it's going low that we, he can take us high. Yeah. Mm. So, we have Gideon. Now, here's my question. Who decided Gideon was supposed to lead Israel? God, right? Does God have good ideas? Okay. Who here has gotten a God idea and screwed it up on your own? Sweet. Just because you screw up a God idea doesn't mean it's not a God idea. It's important to understand. But just because it started as a God idea doesn't mean you can't screw it up with your idea. Okay, can we... Anybody... Not you. But anybody known somebody who's like, God told me. And they just keep running into the same brick wall over and over and over again. What is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Just because God said it, maybe our own understanding needs to be challenged a little bit. Because as soon as he says, this is what's going to happen, we make some assumptions. There's only two ways this goes down, by the way, in humanity. When God tells me the dream for my life, there's two ways it goes down. One is, who are my make it happen people? Yes, you immediately, you have it graphed out. You're like, got it, 12-step program. And like, God's like, that's the boom, 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 right? And then there are the other people. I believe in a supernatural God. He said it will happen. I'll wait. Nobody? There's really only two responses. We go to, who are my people? You're so good, you do both ditches. Simultaneously. You're like, I'm waiting on you, Lord, but while I'm waiting, I'm going to be working. (laughs) Oh, isn't it good to know we are dumb together? You are not alone. Welcome. This is like, yeah, yeah. This this is not an anonymous group. (laughs) Hello, my name is Peter. So, but here's the deal. So here we've got Gideon. Gideon is set up to be leader of Israel. What is God's goal for Israel? What do you, how would you describe God's goal for Israel at this point? To win. win? Okay, 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 goal. Okay, the goal for Israel to win. What else? What? Reunite. Reunite 
with God. Glory. What else? Freedom. Victory. What's that? Take back. Take back the land. Conquer. Eat better food. Eat better. <laughs> Listen. So, so do away with GMO. No, okay. Eat better. Get fat. According to the Bible, that's get fat, by the way. If you read the Old Testament over and over again, it's like the fat's the good stuff. But anyway, eat, eat better. Trust God. Prosperity. Prosperity. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Do you know how they got here in the first place? They pursued eating better and prosperity. Do you know how they got here? They pursued victory. They got, the way they got here is they wanted to be free to do what they want. Anybody see a problem? See, the gift of God in my own hands becomes an idol that I will enslave me. When it's a gift, are all these things good? Does God want all these things? Yes. But apart from him, I can do nothing. No thing. But in the Greek, that means nothing. Anybody here, you have like an asterisk exclusion? I really think I can do a few things. We'll just wait till you show up, God, but I'll take care of it from here. Right? No, no. God's goal is he knows that without him, their very victory will become their slavery. And they'll be back here again. Does God want them to be back into slavery? No. 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 So in God calling Gideon, his heart, his goal is that all of Israel will return to the Lord, the source of life. That they will quit worshiping idols that enslave them and they begin to worship the God of their, their heart's desire. And in that place of union, experience all the goodness. Now, do you think that's what Gideon is thinking? Okay, just for a second. Just imagine if you was Gideon. What is Gideon fixated on right now? The enemy has invaded 135,000. They are doing horrible things that they've done for seven years. What do you think he thinks is fixated on being victory in this moment. Manpower. Huh? Defeating the enemy. Defeating the enemy. Let me say this. Do you know the number? I, I was watching some professional athlete, was an NBA player. They, they asked, they, they, he had made $150 million over his career. Within three years of his career being done, he was penniless. You know why? Because his dream was to be victorious in the NBA, and when he was done, he had nothing left. See, your victory, you will stop at your victory. In fact, most of the time, you won't get your victory. If anything, you know this. As an athlete, you do not aim for this, the finish line. You aim past the finish line, because otherwise, you'll start slowing down. You aim past the mark. 
You don't aim at the mark or you'll miss it. And so one of the things is, is Gideon's like, I just want to win. And this, it wouldn't, and listen, if you've been crushed for seven years, winning is not a bad, good thing, right? But if I don't keep surrendered to God's perspective and God will constantly move the, 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 um, the goal line. Okay, who are my people? You fantasize about a goal line where you will then be able to rest and relax. Lord, I just, I see that, that island in the Caribbean. Okay, South Pacific, I'm not choosy. Lord, I received that from you. Well, I'll never have to work again. I'll never have to do anything. I have really bad news for you. The only thing that happens when you coast is you begin to die. You begin to die. You are not made to coast. You are made to live from glory to glory. And so here he is. is He's got this vision. And you're going to watch how his inability to see the larger vision of God for his life causes him to miss what God has for him. Even though there's much good that happens through him, he misses the more and all of Israel suffers as a result. You guys ready? So I didn't want to go here. I really didn't want to go to this chapter. I really didn't. But, but what happened is we were at Young Adults on, on, on Tuesday, and one of our, 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 uh, our girls who's kind of a new believer, she was like, where's that passage? And Masha gave her Judges 6, 7, and 8. I was like, don't give her Judges 8. It doesn't end well. It doesn't end well. I don't, uh, and God's like, well, maybe you should explain it. I said, maybe I don't understand it. By the way, one of the things, anybody ever read the scripture and you're like, la, 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 la? So in the ancient world, they purposely did not teach to give answers, but to give questions. We teach to give questions, answers, don't we? We scan for answers. God's goal is to give us questions. Why? Because you can't get a question answered you don't have. Many times, the reason we don't get the answers we need is because we don't have the questions. We have our questions, not his question. And so one of the things is, is, imagine you're a young Israelite boy or girl, and you're like, Gideon, tell me the story of Gideon. They're like, Gideon, 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 Gideon. Thunk. What happened to Gideon? Good question. Good question. All revelation begins when I begin to ask a good question. So the question is, what happens? So let's watch. I'm going to do the story time. I was talking with Christina beforehand about the slides. We're doing this as story time because you wouldn't survive. So just stay with me. So remember, the 300, they have this genius strategy. You know, in hindsight, the wisdom of God is obvious. But beforehand, it looks stupid. So they get their, their pots and their torches and their, their trumpets, and they're like ready to do like some sort of interpretive dance. And boom, the enemy is so freaked out thinking they're being attacked by hundreds of thousands of people. They begin to attack each other and they flee. And, and you see this decimation of their forces. And so here's the problem. 300 men still can't defeat 135,000 even when they're on the run. Listen, if you follow Jesus, you will be the dog that catches the Buick. What happens to the dog who catches the Buick? <laughs> Drag down the street. 
You will. He will purposely lead you into victories that will kill you. And if you're anybody in business, you'll know success will kill you faster than failure. Listen, that's what happened to the disciples. Remember, they took in the load of fish. It was so big that it was making the boat sink. Listen, if you don't survive your victory, you... <laughs> it's not much of a victory, is it? So here they are. They've got on the run, and they're trying. They're like, and so what does Gideon do? Gideon. Now, if I'm one of the 300, what do I want? I want a piece of the action. I don't want anybody in here. Y'all are a bunch of losers. You ran away. I don't want you. We're taking this down ourselves. But they were smart enough, and they called the rest of the Israelites, came back out of the hills, out of the holes, and came, come on, join in the victory. See, any victory you and I have is not for us alone. I've watched this time and time again. You guys know our byline is equip, empower, and release. For the sake of the harvest. But everybody forgets that part. They're like, I'm equipped, I'm empowered, and I will release myself under my own recognizance. That the dream God has for me is that I'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. That I'll be happy. That I'll, whatever it is. But it's a narcissistic, self-focused dream. And God purposely allows you to catch the Buick because you're like, I can't do it. And he's like, no dust, Sherlock. So that we will call others to the battle. And our victory will be multiplied to many. Your victory for you is useless. It will die with you and actually kill you. But your victory you give away will be multiplied. So what he does is he's running, he's leading him, but guess what? So if you guys remember, he called out to the people, the people of Naphtali, Zebulun, one other tribe, I forget, Ishagar, no, I blank it. He called out to the tribes of this area. Let me do some geography real quick. So you guys remember, we got Israel, we got Sea of Galilee, we got Dead Sea, and this area right here is called... Shechem. It is the richest area in the entire region. It is so rich. And guess where they lived? They lived in the richest area, which meant they were the target for all of the enemies. And so what happened is all these guys, the Amalek guys, evil people, just the evil people, that's evil people. They would come in from, this is the desert out here. They would come in from the desert into and attack and they camp and they would use Shechem as their area of uh, that as their refrigerator. They just take all the food, right? Now here's a question. If they come to here, where did they have to pass through? It's not right here, right? Guess what? Guess who lives there? Ephraim. Ephraim didn't get invited to the battle. Why? Because the enemy passed through them but didn't stop. So they invited the people who were enslaved to this, but now if they're going to stop the enemy, they said, you guys got to take the fords of the river. So they invited the Ephraimites, they come out and they fight and they stop the fords and they use the fords as a, as a pinch point to be able to destroy so much of the enemy. It said by this point, over 120,000 were dead. That's pretty good, right? But literally, but guess what? As soon as they took the fords, guess what the Ephraimites did? They got mad. Gideon, why didn't you invite us to this party earlier? You wanted to fight a battle? Had the Ephraimites been fighting these people ever? No, they've been tacit allies. 
the image I get is growing, if someone growing up in an abusive home and you have that one child who gets all the, the abusive attention and the other kid who just kind of slides into the shadows and wait, watches. Ephraim is that. Ephraim's like, you know, like, like mm, sorry about your luck, buddy, but I'm not getting involved. Why? Because Ephraim was, by and large, they were pastoral. They lived in tents. So the enemy would come in and they'd be like, whoop, please go right ahead. Don't let us stop you. They were tacit allies of the enemy. Okay. If you're going to walk in the destiny God's called you, you're going to have to deal. There are some tacit allies of the enemy you're going to have to forgive and set free. Who here, you want to choose who's on your team? <laughs> Good luck with that. Jesus didn't even get that, right? He turns around and he goes, wait, you guys aren't leaving? All I have is fishermen and tax collectors, right? No, you don't get to choose. You don't get to choose. So here's this guy, this guy, this, this guy. Ah! And, God, and so when he invites them to the battle to share in the victory, what do they do? They go, this is the first test of Gideon as a leader. See, Gideon's just been aiming for victory. And when you aim for victory, you will only win the battle, but you'll lose the war. And so instead of leading the people of Ephraim, he, he just goes, yeah, yeah, he says this mealy mouth yuck. He's just like, you guys are the best. You guys are better than me. It looks good. It's false humility. Just say something about yourself that God doesn't say about you. He said, you guys are the bigger victors. Are they the bigger victors here? No. They need Gideon's leadership to pull them out of the place where they're in tacit agreement with the enemy. But Gideon takes the way of false humility. Listen, I'm just trying to win a battle here. Whatever. Because he's not looking to the larger war. That all of Israel would be set free from the domination of the, Israelite, of, of the enemy, including the Ephraimites. So the next thing is he comes to a place called Succoth, which means booths or tents. Again, why? Because it's a tent city. It's the people who are on the move. And this time, who you try it your way and it doesn't work, so you try another way. It's like battleship, right? You're like, nope, nope, nope. So these guys, he goes, come help me. And they're like, no way. And he goes, yeah. he gets ticked at him. And he says, I will, uh, when I come back, I will get them, but I will scourge you with thorns. I'll beat your butt. Who are my people? You're like, yeah, that's not the spirit of Jesus, just so you know. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it's a good idea. Okay, can we agree with that on a lot of things? Okay, so here he's like, why? Because, again, he tried false humility. Now he's trying arrogance and domination. Does God love the people of Succoth? Yes. So he goes on, and he comes to a place called Peniel. Peniel, first place it shows up is this is the place of Jacob received the name Israel. This is the place he says, I saw the face of God and lived. This is, listen, who are my people? You get around people who, have, who are maybe from another season or another move of God, and you start to judge the living tar out of them. You don't recognize how awesome I am. <clears throat> Moving on. They refuse to help him. So what does he respond with? 
rage. He says, basically, I'll kill y'all. When I come back, I'll kill y'all. He goes on. He kills the, the uh, it's so funny. The, the names of the two kings of these are called Raven and Wolf. <laughs> I mean, it just sounds like a biker gang. But anyway, I mean, they're thugs. And he kills them both with his own hand. And then he comes back and he does. He destroys the tower in Peniel. He destroys the very past victories. He destroys the very place where the name Israel came from. Why? Out of his arrogance and his belief that I am the victory. I, it's about me. It, what my definition of what victory looks like. And then he does the scourging with the thorns of the people of Succoth. And it says this thing. So listen, this is how the story ends. Oh my gosh, it hurts my heart. Where do, I have a Bible here somewhere. Chapter 8. If you got Bibles, turn to it. We're only doing six verses, seven verses. Maybe more. I lied. Anyway. It said, so then it says, so he does this. He destroys them. And then verse 22, the Israelites said to Gideon, rule over us, you, your son and grandson, because you have saved us from the hand of Gideon, of Midian. Rule over us, right? Now here's the question. Do you think Gideon wants to rule these people anymore? You can't rule people you hate. You can't rule people you judge. You can't rule people you look down on. Because you will dominate and control them. So the enemy, you can always tell the enemy's talking because he gives you two options. Die quick or die slow. Right? Like either be this dominating king or not. And so Gideon says, I'm not going to do it. <gasps> He's so spiritual. By the way, abdication of authority is not spiritual. God gave him the authority for a reason, but he walked away from it. God sets you up for victory. If you find yourself in a battle, it's because God has prepared you to be victorious. God doesn't leave you, lead you out into the desert to die. But just because you fail at a battle doesn't disqualify you either. Because the plans and callings of God are without repentance. The things he, the gifts and callings of God for you, the call of God of your life doesn't change. How do I know that? Abraham was 80 by the time he finally got around to actually saying yes to God. There's time. But what I want to say is, is he sits there and he goes, he goes, but Gideon said, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Doesn't that sound beautiful? The interesting thing is we actually discover, uh, he says he doesn't want to be a king, but we discover he actually thinks of himself as a king. You know why? One of his sons is named Abimelech, which means son of the king. <laughs> Hail to the king, baby. Because he wanted to be king without the responsibility of king. He wanted the power, he wanted the, he wanted the, the glory, the fame without the responsibility. How do I know that? Because it said, and then he said, I do have one little baby request. He said, give me just an earring, just a little piddly earring from the share of the plunder. It was the custom of the Ishmaelites to wear gold earrings. And they answered, we're glad to give them to you. So they spread out a garment and each of them threw a ring from his plunder. And the weight of the gold rings asked for came to 1,700 shekels, 42 pounds of gold. It's a million bucks of gold. But he could have had a billion, but he only took one million. 
Anybody, who are my people? Nobody? You don't, you don't justify your, your actions with Jesus? No? Okay, I'll be by myself. It wasn't that bad. I'm not as bad as them. Obedience is the only sign of success. Obedience is the only mark of success. Not what people think of you, not how people judge you, not good or bad. Obedience. Just saying. And it said, Gideon made the, took the gold and made it into an ephod, a priestly garment, which he placed in Ophrah, his town, and all Israel prostituted themselves worshiping it there. Why? Because he worshiped prosperity. He said, give me your gold. I don't want the authority, the responsibility of being king. I just want the gold. Because my failures, we're a body. Your failures, they actually become snares to my brother and sister. Either a snare because I judge you for it. Or a snare because I fall to it. Interesting thing, it says, Thus Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head again. During Gideon's lifetime, the land had peace. Do you think they thought, wow, so we must be doing right because for 40 years we've had peace. You can't tell the will of God by the ease you're walking in. Anybody here snoozed on three or four years? (laughs) You're like, oh, 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 I should have been doing something. Just be, mm. So how do you stay out of the ditch? That's the question. How do you stay out of the ditch? I have all the answers. For $9.95. Yeah, just one gold earring. Nineteen? Oh, you would have gone for $19.95? Well, yeah, that, that would be the platinum level. 39. Do I hear 49? Go in once. Wow. That's the inner sanctum level. Um, And moving on, before we get totally heretical. Remember what I said, equipped, empowered, and released for the sake of the coming harvest. So God has one global plan for all of humanity. We've talked about this, John 17, that they may, you may be one, even as I and the Father are one, and you one with me. One with God and one with each other. His goal is that every person, as he says in, in Matthew 28, that we would make disciples of all nations, that everyone would come to know him. That's the goal. That is the number one reason. The reason, the victory that God desired for Gideon was that all Israel would be in a relationship with God. Right? That was the goal. That is the number one goal. And any victory I have that is not a subset of that is going to be narcissistic and self-focused and die. And kill me. Stay with me. Some, some of you are already like twitching. Stay with me. I'll explain how this isn't just like some like kumbaya thing. Jesus puts it another way. He says, seek what first? The kingdom. The rule of God in my life and all around me. The kingdom first. And his righteousness saying, what will happen? All these things will be added. God gives us desire for good things. He gives us a desire for a vision and a purpose. I'll give you a great example. Listen, you may have been called to sell houses, 
But you're not called to sell houses. You're called to help people get into houses. You're called to help create wealth so that the kingdom will go forth. You're called to bring people into encounter with God's love and life as you go. As you go, right? So these are the things. I mean, a great example, right? Every single thing we do, if it's about me, is going to end poorly. So one of the things I've watched over and over again, we've had people, they've heard this equip, empower, release, and they've gone out from here and died in the wilderness alone. They thought, I have to leave here to become awesome, and they have not. Okay, stay with me. And I was like, why, Lord? And he gave me this image. For a rocket to get into space, it needs multiple stages. Right? You have the big monster one, the huge one. It's the kingdom. But the kingdom doesn't exist in in isolation because it exists within the context of the body. This is why we need one another. We need one another. If I have a call on God on my life that causes me to isolate from the body, I have a reason to, to question my understanding of it. But I don't like them. They smell. They're ugly. They bite. But beyond that, he's called us to what? Close relationship or family. Again, if there's a call of God on your life that you feel makes you actually abandon what the core relationships you have, the people in your life, close friends and family, the people who actually get to see all of you as ugly as you is, you have reason to doubt it. Who are my people? When you start to... <clears throat> Why do we isolate? Safety? Safety? Protection. What things drive us to isolate? Fear. Fear. Betrayal. Relate, huh? Depression. Depression. I would say two things make me 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 run away from y'all. One is risk. Y'all aren't perfect. I know it's a shocker. Y'all aren't perfect, and y'all don't always do exactly what I want, which would be perfection in my mind. The second thing is, if you get close enough to me, you'll see I'm not perfect either. And that's a problem. I need these people who see me as I am because they're going to help me realize. Notice this whole story from this point on, Gideon's all by himself. He's surrounded by people, but he's all by himself. Kingdom, body, family, and then me. <laughs> Listen, if I don't have kingdom and I have body and family, I've seen that. I've seen like kingdom uh, churches that become narcissistic and self-focused. Kumbaya, right? Will this get anywhere? I've watched this. I'm going to take me and my family and my dream and we're going to go make it happen. If you don't have all of this, you will never reach where God is taking you. And the enemy says, and you will miss, you will shoot for, to, to, for the battle, and you will lose the war. Because God's dreams for you, you think you have big dreams. <laughs> if you saw the dreams God had for you, you would weep, wail, and put, turn into a puddle and die. His dreams for you are unimaginable, but they don't exist in isolation. They're a part of the dream of his entire body. 
And when we make decisions to be, to walk in isolation and alone or self-focused, listen, listen, some of you, you're like, God has called me to create wealth. It better not be for you. I'm just saying. It better not be for you or it will kill you. In our life, we've gotten to be around people, millionaires, 100 millionaires, billionaires. There's nothing worse than somebody who won that battle but lost the war. God is not in you for you, but for all. And so my question for each of us is, listen, many of times, like I have been in this place. When you're in a hole, when you're in a hole, when you're really struggling, what's your dream? Get out of the hole. It's not complicated. Yeah, well, yeah, or Masa's my person. Or just have enough food in that hole to not have to leave. Right, right? Down in my wine vat, right? She's my person. Netflix and Netflix, enough Wi-Fi, right, right? Never have to leave. Like, oh, my God, praise you, Lord, for Grubhub. Thank you, Jesus, for DoorDash. Oh, Lord, thank you for Walmart Home Delivery and Amazon that I might never see a human face. I, I want to tell you, I, the reason I can say all this is I'm the worst of sinners, and I've got you guys beat. And I've realized something about myself over the last 20-some years, 30 years, okay, all my life. I have striven for, to build safety into my life. And when safety is your number one goal, by the way, you know what the, you know what, um, the um, B in KGB stands for? Safety. Bizapastness. If your goal is safety, you'll end up in a police state of fear, dominated and controlled by fear. And I realized something because uh, Warren and I were out at a coffee shop on one of those days, and we were sitting there, and there was a guy with a boot. You know, one of those, you know, not a, not a boots for made for walking, David, but, uh, but boots, like, uh, uh, yeah, because he'd ripped something. And I was looking at it, and Warren saw me looking at it. And Warren smiles at me. And because, see, Warren is part of my family. He mirrors me back to me, and that both shows me how awesome I am and also how scared I am. But it encouraged me, that little snicker of a smile. And I said, I said, I, I've, been, I've been eyeing that boot. He said, I knew you were. I said, well, you know me better than me. And I said, but because I was there with him, I, I was like. And I, the guy's like, Ugh, dragging his leg around there and looking in horrible pain. And he finally sits back down. And I said, what, how, how did you do that? And he goes, well, ripped it playing basketball. I said, can I pray for you? And I'm just going to tell you a secret. If I'd been by myself, I wouldn't have done it. I'm honest. I'm honest. I would have given myself a pass. But sitting with Warren, I remembered I'm a decent human being. I remembered who I am versus... I just want to sit here and drink my coffee. I just, I need this time for me. I need... Blah, 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 blah. And instead, I went up to him, and, and, and we, and we got to pray for him. And I said, can you tell if it's better? And he's like, no. No. No, I can't do that. But I'll find out later. I said, okay. 
But we watched him. He was like, later he confessed the pain had left. <laughs> but, but, he, uh, but what I want to say with that is, is when I realized coming out of that, that most of the time I go out, I put on armor. And my goal is not to talk with people, connect with people, or care about people. Because it might take away from my limited resources that I have. I'm barely making it as it is. <laughs> But when I step out into his heart, I have more than enough. I'm not protecting myself. I'm loving. I'm giving myself away. I'm giving myself away because it's not me. It's him. I have more than enough because it's not about this. It's about this. And any dream that doesn't fit all the way through is going to win a battle but lose the war. And I'm not saying we see all of it all at once. Does that make sense? But simply realize this. If your goal is to get out of the hole, if that's the only goal, you'll get into another one. But just realize if you get up out of the hole, you better start looking (laughs) for the more so you can go from glory to glory. All right. So I feel like we've all been thoroughly challenged, me first and foremost. The enemy, if he can't fight you, will help you. If he can't stop you, he'll push you. Some of you are being overwhelmed by 33,000 things. Forget that. That's the enemy. God, what is the one thing you're calling me to do? One place to lean in, to allow you to expand my vision beyond myself. To recognize we're going to be dreaming as part of the, the, the coffee app. How do you see the dreams of my life? I would just like to, to not be worried about my bills. What do you have for me? What's your dream for me? And how can I step out beyond my narcissism and self-protection to actually step into yours? One baby step today. If we could have the worship team come up. Yeah, much. Yeah, that's a great example, by the way. I thought I was getting the same size board. But I like it better. (laughs) Sometimes we don't know what we want. But he does. If we can stand. Father, we come before you and we bring our own understanding of the dreams you have for us. We lay them at your feet and we say, Lord, we see in part, but you see fully. And so, Lord, we say, have your way in us. Lord, if we've been self-isolating and self-protecting, we lay it down because we don't want to win the battle and lose the war, but we want to step into the fullness that you have for us in the midst of the body and the kingdom. In your name. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.